Welcome to Hannah's Heart. So Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. No matter who we are, we can be inspired by the fact that Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. So when she was praying at the temple, she had been weeping and not eating and her lips were moving, but her eyes were closed and the priest was like, why are you drunk at the temple? Because yeah. it can become an obsession when you want Wanting a child so deeply. And desiring that baby and to be a mama. Every holiday, every Mother's Day. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome. But this is a show that says, however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hey, I'm Ann. And I'm Kendra. And you're listening to Hannah's Heart on American Family Radio. So Hannah's Heart is a show about clinging to Christ through infertility and miscarriage. And this is another edition where we have some really special guests with us, our husbands. So why don't you introduce yourself, Handsome Pants, over there? I am Eric, <laughs> uh, better known as husband to Kendra. <laughs> <laughs> Glad to have you on. And then I have on Will, my sweet husband. Better known as... Ann's husband. husband. <laughs> 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 Nothing fancy. <laughs> But yeah, we're excited to have them share a little bit about their perspective on um, dealing with infertility and miscarriage. And um, today, Eric and I are excited to share our story with you. Yes, we're excited to hear about y'all's story and how y'all still clung to Christ through infertility. So first off, we want to hear your story. Like, how did y'all get to know each other? I uh, met... Well, we met through a mutual friend. I'd heard who works at American Family works, Radio. Yeah, Joy Lucius, give her credit. Shout, <laughs> shout out, shout out right. for the AFA yeah. Journal. Uh, I'd heard her on the radio. To make, a, I mean, it's a it's a really long story if I'm okay. being honest. But to make a long story short, heard her on the radio and realized this is a girl who held the same principles about marriage that I did beforehand. I honestly, I did not want to get married. I just didn't oh, wow. feel like there was anyone out there who kind of held my same beliefs about marriage and. I, w- or w- I was really scared that I wouldn't be able to trust another human being mm. that much to mm. say, till death do us part. Wow. Yeah. So wow. I heard, heard her on the radio and I was like, wow, she seems to really hold those same <laughs> values that I hold. I, I was um, tired of being set up and mm-hmm. uh, was ready to be married, but was tired of setups. And when, when Joy came to me, she said, um, there's this guy. And I was like, oh, no, here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> and she um, she said, no, nah, he, he's in a wheelchair. Would you be willing to, to date somebody who's a wheelchair user? And I was like, I mean, if they love God, yeah, I would I would consider it for sure. I was like, but I am done with setups. I was like, it would have to be something very casual. Like I would like to meet them in a non, you know, like, blind date situation and so she actually arranged for us to have a taco night at her house and I did not even know that Eric was going to be there she was so sneaky and I walked in and he was there did he know you were going to be there well if I'm being (laughs) honest I actually made taco Tuesday night happen (laughs) Uh, yeah so I had had gone behind the scenes it was like God had been moving on my heart about marriage and I was like I thought we had this figured out God I'm not getting married and I was like, you know what? If you if if marriage is something that you have for me and you have a something to teach me through marriage, then I'm all ears. So yeah. I'll I'll do whatever you want. And so I just started praying about whoever my future wife might be. And he kind of presented Kendra to me in a way. Wow. Joy had already talked to me about her like a year before. And my reaction was kind of the same as Kendra's, like, nope, not getting set up <laughs> by anybody. No, and thanks. So anyways, for some reason, I'd, I mean, I'd listened to American Family Radio a good bit and heard her on there. And that's when I was like, you know what? Maybe this could be the one. So 
Let wow. me, I just want to meet her yeah. and, you know, talk to her a little bit. So that's when I went over to Joy's house was like, hey, you remember like a year back? Mm-hmm. Uh, how about let's see if we can't make something happen. And so. Wow. Yeah. Had you uh, seen her at this point? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, was it just the voice for you? Or <laughs> no, no, she showed me a picture of her and she was like, like, don't oh. you think she's pretty? And well, like the year before, she didn't show me a picture of her. And then I was like, well, let me see what this girl looks like. Right. And then I was like, yeah, we're definitely not <laughs> Making this happen. I love it. That's so fun. Before you got married, what were your attitudes and like expectations about kids? Ah, oh, good question. Well, I knew that I wanted kids. I love children. That was like a non-negotiable for me um, from the beginning. How about you, baby? I was the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> like As people, we soon discovered. People who knew me <laughs> knew that I didn't really care for kids, yeah. except for like my own nieces. And hmm. except my own nieces, yeah, yeah, that's good. And uh, so that was something that we really had to walk through because mm-hmm. really part of mine is I, I I'm also an occupational therapist. Oh. I have a disability. I work with children who have disabilities, and I see parents of children with disabilities. And for some reason, I just was like, I don't want, I don't want to take the chance to have a kid with a disability. I have a disability. Like mm-hmm. it's just going to be so much it would be too much parenting too much with a hand. disability yeah. was a little overwhelming yeah, too it is you know it's like man thinking about having a disability parenting an able-bodied kid who's like running all over the place what if he climbs up some stairs i can't get to what if he runs across the street and i can't catch him what if all this stuff happens and so i was just like i'm just i just don't want kids wow. so which was terrifying to me because i'm starting to fall in love with this guy and get to know him and like everything in my gut in my just my natural response said, run, like, hmm. yes, get out of this, man. He's not into this. And the Holy Spirit was so good at slowing me down and saying, just trust me. I'm doing something yeah. in Eric's heart. Um, would you be willing to trust me? And so at the t- same time that God was working on Eric's heart and opening his heart to the idea of children, God was slowing me down and saying, just make sure children aren't an idol for you. Make sure that your desire is first and foremost to please me. And so I was dealing with that. Now, with um, Eric having a spinal cord injury, that often affects um, men's fertility. And so mm-hmm. I had researched and I, I did a lot of Googling and trying to understand the the world of disability before we got married because I wanted to, um, to know. I knew that that could potentially be an obstacle for us and and the kind of the way I viewed it I was like you know first and foremost let's get past this hurdle of do you even want kids if they're adopted however they come are our kids something that you're open to right, and right. Uh, there was a really sweet night when um, we were just talking and, and the Lord just did something I think really cool in Eric's heart and it was neat to see him be open to to actually pray about God is this something you want for me if it is then I'm I'm on board mm. I think he finally mm. made me deal with those internal feelings that I had about being a parent with a disability. Because mm-hmm. before, I had just kind of resigned myself to, I don't like kids. And that's what I boiled it down to. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm, this one over here is praying mm-hmm. for me all the time. And so <laughs> God starts working on me and I'm just like, why Why don't I like, you know, she's bringing this topic yeah. up. And I'm like, why don't I like kids? And so I start having to really deal with myself and deal with this baggage of why don't I like kids? Why don't I want kids? Right. And that's when it, I feel like God really started showing me, here's why you don't want kids. There's a part of this is that you don't trust me to keep your kid Mm -hmm. because it is my job as a dad to raise this kid, to keep them as safe as I can. But that's, I mean, to any able-bodied parent, you can only keep them 
so safe, right. you know? And so God's like, you know, <clears throat> if you want to be a dad, like, I'll help you take care of this kid. Yeah. Don't, don't worry about that. I remember you saying one time, you're like, well, I don't know, Kendra, I'm not going to be able to just play baseball with the kids. Like, I can't be that dad. And I remember telling you, like, I don't need a dad who can be a fantastic baseball, go play it. Like, I, what I want my children to have is a father who has been to the pit, to the bottom, the lowest day, and kept moving and chose God and chose to not give up. Yeah, yeah and, and that perseverance. And I was like, what what our future children might lack in having a, a dad who can't walk, they gain in, in a man who has found his identity and security in Christ. Yeah, um, and that heart. Was, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of feel like, in a way, that was like a selfless decision, mm-hmm. you know, like already putting your kids before you and they're years and years away. I don't mm-hmm. know, just that you're already watching out for them. But anyway, I think that's so neat, you all story. The fact that like the Lord was growing y'all's relationship with him when y'all weren't even necessarily a couple yet. Is that right? Yes, that was just da- we early, dating. early dating. Early okay. dating, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Was, so how did the conversation, how long had y'all been dating before y'all started like getting into this Heavy well, <laughs> we didn't officially start dating. We took an entire year to just be friends okay. and watch each other. No, it took me a year to convince her to date me. <laughs> oh, okay. I was watching him like honest. a hawk. I was asking him all kinds of questions. I was like, forever's a long time. I better make sure. So we knew each other pretty well before we officially gotcha. started dating. And then, honestly, the, the courtship process was pretty fast from there because because our hearts were both both for it and invested we just, yeah but i didn't feel comfortable at having those conversations until yep. we officially had a yeah, relationship because right. it's some some hard questions to ask so y'all y'all dated for how long a year maybe no i think it was about uh about nine or ten months yeah something like that yeah. it wasn't a year it was pop a, the yeah. question yeah, yeah. That oh yeah on a hot air balloon he, he booked a hot <laughs> air balloon ride and it was perfect had my parents coming from out of town and that's so fun it was perfect yeah. it just so happened to be like one of the only wheelchair accessible hot air balloons in, wow. in the country in the, in was the in country memphis. was in memphis <clears throat> a lot of googling <laughs> he a did lot. so good okay a lot That's of calling and checking. Cool. Yes. Had she like mentioned that before? Or, like that mm-hmm. was just okay. I was like, oh, okay. I was all about hot air balloon, but I had no clue it was coming. So yeah. he, he definitely surprised me. That's so neat. <laughs> I want to see pictures one day. <laughs> all right. So when you when you got married, uh, when did you first find out that there were problems with infertility? Yeah. Was that about two years? Well, no, it was one year. Well, we. To be honest, it was about six months in that you had prayed. Because he was like, I need a year. The whole, like, yeah. give me a year. Yeah. And not even six months in, I was praying because I knew that we were going to probably have to seek some help with fertility. And so I felt already so behind getting married late. And you came to me and you were like, you know what? I felt like the Lord giving me a peace that it's okay that we mm. don't have to stop not trying to have children. So mm. we, I would say six months in, we we started, you know, not, not trying. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. And then I think it was that May, I had not even a full year. I went and had some initial tests done and we scheduled an appointment in Birmingham and went down and and started the whole process of trying to figure things out. And and the first thing that they told us was, he was like, oh yeah, IVF. They just go straight to IVF. Like, let's just bypass the $20 options that you can try. And this this guy had written papers on uh, multiple different like kind of different ways that you could go about having kids that are very affordable. Wow. So we're like, why are you not telling us about them? We know you wrote the paper on it. It made Mm -hmm. us feel like you just want our money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
I didn't like being taken advantage of, and that's yeah. what it felt like. And I was like, get, let's get out of here. All these people want is our money. We're going home. Well, and also at that point, IVF to us, we had a lot of um, concerns with just the pro-life issue and, mm-hmm. and having extra embryos yeah. created and how do you do it? And so we're like, well, let's let's try these other things. So we, um, we went the route of... Um, trying some at-home things they didn't yeah. that didn't work lots of awkward uh, <laughs> experimentation we'll leave it at that and trying to figure out um where to go from there and we tried IUIs we flew down to Miami to a, a specialist wow. um there you and- know what let's just be let's just put all of our cards on the table here, <laughs> here we okay? go look we're we're, we're this adults is, this, here. Yeah, we're adults. <laughs> this is a podcast for people I'm getting who red are already, babe. in the middle of this. Okay, <laughs> I have a spinal cord injury. Yeah. Okay, guys with spinal cord injuries, uh, we can do just about everything that mm-hmm. any able-bodied person can do. The, our problem is getting the sperm from me to her. Right. So we can have create sex it, but and all that good stuff. We just can't ejaculate. All that good so, stuff. And so that's the problem that we're having to deal with. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, and I want anyone, anyone who's listening to this, like, I just want them to know, I'm sure there's somebody else who's going to run into this problem. Yeah, sure. You're not alone. Yeah, we did so much injury, research. So. I felt like I was getting a PhD in um, in this topic and yeah. nobody was there to help us and, mm-hmm. and to guide us through it. And wow. and there were so many things that might have worked and did work for some people that were options for us. Um, so we, we did an IUI. We, yeah. that, we, we soon found that that was uh, going to not be um, a, a good option for us okay. and then landed all the way back again at IVF. Yeah. And, and we probably spent a good two, three thousand dollars. Yeah, think, already by that time? just at just that point in time. The kind of effort. more quote unquote low tech type of stuff that's going to try to help Gracious. us. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so like even my local nurse practitioner was like, <laughs> I mean, this was she's a very frank individual. <laughs> she was like, look, this can't be that hard. We just got to get your guys and put them in her. <laughs> and we can even use the, the turkey baster method. Like, yeah, we, surely we were there's like, something I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah. She was like, it's not that hard. You can go get a uh, $2 syringe from CVS. And And so much of this is you Uh, feeling like this is not natural the way that it's meant to be. And so it takes a lot of... None of it is natural. None of it feels natural. natural. So awkward. When they would walk us into the room before IUI, I mean, I just feel like we were both like... Heads down, walking yeah. to the room, you know, and then you walk out. The walk and of like, shame, <laughs> literally. Yeah, like, terrible. I mean, like, and they wouldn't help you out at all. No. Yeah. They're just like <laughs> they're making it just as terrible. And I'm yeah. like, come on. Like, and who do you talk to about it? Yeah. No, you know, one, it's very you know? isolating oh, issue God. too. My friends would have questions, and I'm like, I just don't care to talk about it right after the fact, you know, of um, that y'all don't have to do that, and yes. uh, we do. Well, yeah. after we found out that IVF um, was our quote unquote only option, um, that was a tough, a tough response mm-hmm. because it felt like we like were halting. Like there yeah. is no way, uh, apart from a miracle, that, and that and that's we can like, move forward. What do you think? Like a solid year yeah. of of trying, of trying, and, and, yes. and spending money on these different things mm-hmm. until it finally. Like we was like, we was thinking, you know, there's this spectrum of possibilities that will work. IVF is that. Like the the high end of the yes. spectrum, mm-hmm. the hot most uh, costly, right? And so we're going to start at the low end of the spectrum with the least costly, yes. and we finally just worked our way down the entire spectrum over a solid year, mm-hmm. and nothing worked. Yeah, yeah. and then finding um, our issues with IVF. There's obviously money, as you said, it's a it's a big bill. Yeah. But for us, the the moral implications of, for those of you that don't know, um, the typical protocol for IVF is you create a lot of eggs Mm -hmm. um, and you 
put yourself on a lot of hormones um, for the for the woman. You collect those eggs, you fertilize those sperm, um, fertilize the egg with sperm, and then you um, end up dishes. with several embryos. Yeah. Sometimes it might be nine, ten, or more. Um, and you know, as as believers, we believe that life begins at conception, right. and that's conception. If it happens in a petri dish, it's still conception. Right. And so we felt like there's an obligation as we've been pro-lifers our whole life. We've you know advocated for that in in public settings. Like we can't change our standard now just because right. we desperately want a baby. Right. But and are we, you going to have fifteen right. babies? Are we going to have fifteen babies? <laughs> yeah. And is it um, is it practical <laughs> to leave that <laughs> many in the freezer for that long? Right. And like how long can it be before we get them? So what I didn't know and um, it, it took a little time and, and prayer before God revealed this is that there are now a lot of other options for Christians who have concerns about there being excess embryos created. Okay. Mm. So there's something that we discovered called mini IVF. It's called mini minimal stimulation IVF. Okay. Okay. So basically, rather than giving your, your body hormones to produce 10 to 15 eggs, they might try to get two or three um, or just a, a handful, something that's a little bit more sizable. Mm-hmm. And it's a, like half the cost mm-hmm. of, wow. of IVF or less. Yeah. Um, Significantly less, significantly fewer risks. Some around um, the eight grand. Yeah, gotcha. so, so it's still, still, still it's a still lot of money. Amount. Yeah, right. Yes, yeah. but it's but it's a lot more doable. And yeah. so for me, the moral implications of doing that was was better. And and we also found um, so then finding places that do minimal stimulation IVF is tough because not every clinic offers that. Okay. It's a little bit newer. The science on it is really good um, because they say you know what rather than having tons of eggs let's create a few that are better quality eggs and so it kind of quality versus quantity type thing um so anyways we we found a a clinic that we really liked called southeastern fertility in in knoxville and the reason we even heard about them is because um we have some friends um who have done something called snowflake adoption have you guys heard this term have i think we've talked about it's where, well, you can explain it. Yeah. So snowflake adoption is basically, um, there are a lot of leftover frozen embryos from other couples who have had okay. IVF that end up, um, you know, what happens to them and those are life, you know. And so this organization wow. exists to try to help find families for those frozen embryos. Mm, right. And so this is a place where you can actually adopt um, a frozen embryo. And we'll talk more about this on some future episodes. Yeah. I want to interview them because we had lots of questions about of that. Course. But we got to talk to this Christian couple that was a pro-life couple that, that actually did this and um, also talked to them about fostering at that point. Because mm-hmm. um, foster care and adoption was something, you know, we've definitely been open to. And and this is just where we are right now in this stage of God leading us. We know that God calls different couples to different things, and it might change for us. Um, but right now, we would like either a biological child or to adopt a baby first. And maybe Eric can explain. Um, do you want to talk, babe, about our kind of why we chose to pursue um, biological children first? Well, whether it's going to be adoption or fostering, we're both open to that, mm-hmm. and I think it's great. We both want to be as effective on um, – not not effective, but impactful on those children. And it's very understandable that they're going to be coming from backgrounds that God only knows what they have been right, through and what right. they've experienced mm-hmm. at that time. You might not get them as a baby. You yeah. might be a seven-year-old mm-hmm. with exactly. a lot of and so background. I would rather have – a biological child who is the older one who can fend for themselves, look at the younger one and say, hey, this kid needs help. And also it's it's a way that our 
biological child can serve and begin to say, hey, I'm looking outside of myself and I see other people Mm -hmm. have needs. I see other people go through really difficult stuff and to learn how to empathize with another human being. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I just thought it would be number one, I thought it's going to be something, a a stressor that we won't have to worry Mm -hmm. as much Mm -hmm. about, you Mm know, uh, that our kid will be the older influencer rather than the younger influencee. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of wanted that. Yeah. And and I think, um, you know, or we were also open to adopting a baby, but we wanted to go through all of those um, natural stages of life and have the most influence possible from as early as possible. And so right. that's why we kind of started pursuing this. And because this clinic, um, Southeastern Partners with the Embryo Adoption Center, um, they we knew that they had some sort of pro-life roots. And so yeah. we were like, I get the sneaky feeling that they're Christians. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. They have confirmed it. They are believers and they well, that's amazing. they were willing to honor our all of my... We asked them so many questions mm. when we met with them about how how is life being treated after it's created? Yeah. So then, of course, like after all of that, we've come to that spot and they're like, OK, so, yeah, we're ready to do this with you. We've been saving up money for a long time and trying to prepare for this. And then he's like, oh, yeah, well, you have some polyps that need to be removed. And we're like, something else? Uh, like, something it's just else. like it feels like you're trying to get to mm. the finish line. And there's just like these little you just keep stumbling <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. oh, there's another pothole. Got to climb out of that one. Oh, there's another uh-huh. pothole. Uh-huh. So many things. So anyways, we um, we did that, um, had some um, some a surgery for that and then and then prepared for IVF. And we um, just tried our first round of, of IVF a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want to tell them about how that process went, babe? Well, <laughs> we mini IVF. Yeah, we, you know, had to take off work about a week and a half, went up there and it was, you know, you're really emotionally invested mm-hmm. when you're there. You know, you, you get there and you're like, wow, we're in the thick of it. I'm injecting my wife with, with you know, drugs and yeah. we're going in there and we're doing sonograms. I don't even like looking. taking ibuprofen. Like, I don't like <laughs> <Yeah>. medicine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Before you realize it, you're like, wow, I'm, I'm, I mean, beforehand, even though I do want kids, if, if God came down in in uh, physical form was like, Eric, I'm just going to tell you guys now, you guys are never having kids, none whatsoever. Like it'd take me a week or two to wrap my head around mm-hmm. it, but I'd I'd get over it and I'd move on. Yeah, Kendra, I think it's mm-hmm. gonna take a lot longer. It's gonna yeah. be a thing that she deals with for the rest of her life. Right, mm-hmm. you know what right. I mean. And so, I had all of a sudden found that I was way more invested than I had ever been mm. in this process mm-hmm. because it was so difficult to get to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... The desire grew the harder you had to, had to work, had for, to work it. for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it did. And so, here we are uh, going through all these different procedures and stuff, and we get three eggs. Mm-hmm. Three eggs. Got three eggs. Uh, tempted two of to, them fertilized. Two of them actually fertilized. And it comes to egg transfer day, which is a huge day. It's when we actually uh-huh. take these little embryos, yeah. not egg transfer, embryo transfer. I'm yeah. sorry. So we take these little, little tiny like, microscopic human beings right, right. and we put them inside Kendra mm-hmm. and hope and pray to God for all we're worth that she's mm-hmm. going to be pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so they put the embryos inside of her and they're like, yep. Good, they like, give you a we, picture all, of it. You're yeah. praying for them. You've oh, got yeah. their whole future planned. I know you said you were... Like, yeah, I'll, light years ahead of planning oh, their lives. I'm, I'm, you know, playing because you were taking these kids them. hunting and yeah. we're going fishing and we're having all kinds of fun stuff happen. And, uh, and then so there finally comes a day where they're like, okay, nine days afterwards, you can take a pregnancy test. I want to see if it implanted. And yeah. 
And we did. And it, that, well, okay, it looks like you're pregnant. You know, the, the results are in. But well, it's a little, it's a little yeah. early. The, the numbers are low. Let's come back in two more days and take yeah. another, another test. So two days mm-hmm. later, we come check my blood levels. And they say, you've had a, a miscarriage. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you did conceive, um, but um, it was so early and the, the babies stopped developing. Yeah. And so that's And that's a, like two days between yeah. that. It's yeah. like one day is like... You just you're, found out it did. You're, they tried to say like, you're kind of pregnant. Yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're pretty pregnant. You're, you're a little bit pregnant. Yeah. Is kind of what the answer yeah. was. It's like, we'll wait two more days. And it's like, well, yeah. there's not like a little bit pregnant. You're the like, pregnant you're, either you're not. not. Yeah. Right. And so two days later, it was like, you're not pregnant. It didn't, yeah. it, it, you know, you're not, you, so we, later we found us like we were pregnant mm-hmm. and then we weren't, which means you had a miscarriage. Right, right, right. Which was devastating, yeah. of just, course. I just, looked at Kendra probably two hours afterwards mm-hmm. and said, we're not trying this again. It's mm-hmm. too much. Mm-hmm. Like I was just so emotionally invested at that time. It just ripped my heart out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine. I'm sorry. We'll have to I'm have sorry. an episode just on that because I know that's part of your all's story yeah. as well. And miscarriage is an element of this that we want to talk about. But, mm-hmm. Um, but it hasn't ended there. We we have um, rallied mm. and and prayed and sought God and said, "What's next for us?" Yeah. And and right now we are um, looking uh, to to possibly try again. And we're try- gearing up for round two, <laughs> we're baby. We're gearing All right. up, <laughs> ready. Yeah, and All so right. we'll, we'll see. We're we're trying to be loved by the Lord every step of the yeah. way, right. but Absolutely. it has certainly made us lean and depend on Him mm. in a radical new way than mm-hmm. ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, y'all, that's amazing. And, and it's still amazing just to see y'all still trusting in Christ, you know, through all of this, even though it's all so complicated mm-hmm. and each and every day is a battle. But um, can we pray for y'all real quick? Please, please do. Uh, Father, I come to you right now to thank you for this opportunity, God. Thank you for Kendra and Eric. And thank you for how much they love you, Father. Father, I pray that you bless them with the sweetest blessing, God, no matter how that blessing comes, God. Um, I'm already picturing getting to meet the sweet one that's going to come one day. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. Um, okay, y'all, that's about it for Hannah's Heart today. You can find us at or email us at hannahsheart at afa.net and find us on Instagram and Facebook. I'm Ann. And I'm Kendra. Join us next time for Hannah's Heart.